praise you, Lord. Yeah. Well, Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Jesus said it now. Jesus said it. He said, believe on me. Believe on me. He said, believe on me. Believe on me. Scripture said it. Scripture said it. Word of God said it. Scripture said it. Believe on me. Believe on me. Believe on me now. Believe on me. Amen. Amen. Who's ready to have church tonight? We ready to have church? Amen. Amen. Some people go to church, but we're going to have church. You know the difference there? We're going to have church tonight. God is in the house. He's moving already. He's been here all day. It was a wonderful services earlier today, this morning. People got saved. I don't know. There was like a half dozen people that got saved. And uh, God's moving. Amen. 
Pastor preached a wonderful message. If maybe you missed it, you need to go back online and check that out. Wonderful word for our church. And we're back again tonight, ready to be in God's presence and see Him move something fierce. Amen. We want you to know next week, of course, next Sunday is our Family Fun Fest. We will have one service next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Right after that, we are going to break out into the parking lot. And from 12 to 5, we are going to have a massive community outreach event where there will be people here. We are expecting 3,000 people to be here on our parking lot. And uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time. We need volunteers. We need people that will do a, a trunk for our trunk or treat. We need people that are willing to bring candy this week, a couple of bags of candy anybody can bring this week. We need lots of candy. And also, we're having a car show here on the parking lot. If you have a car, you know somebody that has a, a nice uh, old car or a sports car, something that's fancy, it can even just be fancy to you. If you'd like to be in that, that would be awesome. You can come. we got a special place out here in the parking lot and motorcycles. So it's going to be a wonderful full day of events with inflatables, food, vendors, Every kind of ride you can think of, it's going to be here. It's going to be a wonderful time. So with that said, as you might have guessed it, next Sunday night we will not have service, but that's because we've been to church all day. Amen? Amen. With that being said, here comes the pastor, and I'm going to run from him. No. Here, I wanted to say something, you know. I didn't mean to take your spot here. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead, pastor. Go ahead. I wanted to say, you know, if you've ever, how many of you have ever been to the Family Fun Fest? You, you've been to what we've had before. Okay. It is so, it is such an amazing day. There, oh, last year, the last time we had it, over 3,000 people came. Now, we didn't have it last year because of the 100-year anniversary. But we're ready to kick it back off this year because you know what it says? It says this whole weekend, starting with Sunday morning, the message, everything is going to be, the church service is going to be geared towards our community, loving our community, how we can better love our community. And then hopefully a bunch of them will be there for church. But then afterwards, it's our time as a church to reach out into this city. I mean, thousands of people come. They bring their kids. They ride horses. They get on the blow-up games. They, they, there's so many things. I was listening to the... The, the planning committee today, and I can't believe all that they have planned. It's bigger than it's ever been. And this is an opportunity for us to look at this city and say to them, it's not just about us. We love you. We want to provide something for your families. We want to love you. Provide an alternative. Many people, you know, it. the, the way that it comes with the kids getting so much attention and the, the, there's going to be jugglers and all kinds of, it's going to be so fun. I can't wait to see even the pony rides that they're planning. It's crazy. I'm going to get on one. It's going to be great, but it sends a message to our community that we love you. And there is no greater message. If we stay locked up on this hill until Jesus comes, then we have done nothing except bless ourselves. But this is an opportunity for us as a church to literally meet our community, fellowship with our community, look at their children, laugh with their children, serve their children. This is an opportunity for us to do something amazing. And I'm asking you, you know, don't think, oh my goodness, 3,000 people, I'm going to stay home. You better not. Because if you're selfish, uh-oh, I'm preaching now. If you're selfish, you'll sit at home and say, I ain't going up there with all that mess of people. But if you have a heart for God, 
And for this community, you'll be here. And you'll not only just be here, but you'll be asking us, where can I serve? Where can I meet people? How can I help people? How can I be a part of meeting all these wonderful people? And who knows? I remember the last Family Fun Fest, I was able to pray with several people out on the parking lot. You talk to them a few minutes, you find out their need, and I just say, can I pray with you? And you'd be shocked. I wasn't turned down not one time. People are hungry, and they're thirsty for our God. Let's not keep him locked up inside our house. Let's love our community. Can I get an amen out of this crowd? Amen. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Amen. There's a booth outside here in the lobby. It's a place you can sign up if you want to help also. There's going to be a stack of flyers there. You can take, take them to your work, take them to the places you shop, wherever you can. We're going to flood the city with this promo much promotion this week as we can. We're going to see God do something awesome. Amen. Let's get out. Let's welcome each other to church tonight. Greater love that frees us. Oh, yeah. So deep. 
Amen. Give him praise. Amen. That song's entitled No Greater Love, and as we were singing it, I started to think about how much I love to sing about God's love, how much I love to preach about God's love, how much I love to share about his love, because if it wasn't for his love, I don't know where I would be. It was his love that came to my life, transformed my life, put me on a new path, and it's his love that sustains me. And we're here to be beacons of his love. Right now, as our ushers come to serve us tonight, we have an opportunity to give back and help support taking his love to the world, helping support our missionaries throughout the world, helping support the ministry here in Middletown as we endeavor to share the same transforming love that reached our lives with those that desperately needed around us. So let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your love that, that found us and reached us, Father, and that just transformed us and put us on a new path. Lord, we're so thankful that we can walk with you and that we can feel your presence in our life. Lord, we're so grateful for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing here at our church. And out of our love for you, Lord, we give to, back to you tonight. Lord, I ask that you would bless this offering, Lord, and that it would meet and exceed the needs, Lord, of this ministry here and those that we support through this ministry, Father. And most of all, Lord, we ask that you would move over your church, Lord, that you'd move over the givers tonight, Lord, and that they would be filled to overflowing with your love, Father, as we endeavor to represent you to our families and those that you put in our path, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, all the glory is yours, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.
Waiting for the shouting time. There we go. <laughs> Wonderful. Give them another hand. What a great presentation this evening. Thank you, Voices of Psalm 95. Good ministry tonight. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Thank you for being here on Sunday night. You know, we had somebody put a card in there. Being here on Sunday night, someone uh, said this morning they were uh, after church was over. They, they one of the one of our members came to me and they said we had visitors here today. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we had a lot of visitors this morning. They said they leaned over and said, is this place like this all the time, or is this some kind of special service? And he looked at him and said, yep, this is pretty regular. He said, man, those people are fired up. <laughs> I thought that's a compliment to the Lord we serve, isn't it? Amen. Man, is that place like that all the time? What a great service this morning. Several people got saved. We baptized four. Unbelievable the way the Spirit of God moved. It was wonderful. Tonight, I want to kind of go into part two of the message from this morning. As a matter of fact, it may end up being part three next Sunday, and then part, who knows, part four, part five, who knows. Um, I already mentioned Family Fun Fest, so I won't do that again, but I just definitely wanted to put it out there. Please spread the word to people that next Sunday, 10 a.m., we'll be having church, and we'll be uh, having a full-blown big church service, all services united, coming together, and then we'll be uh, moving out to serve our community. In the best of our abilities and I'm looking forward to that we always have such a great time titled this message tonight getting past your own Jordan River have you ever been at it at an impasse have you ever been at a place where you felt like you couldn't go left right over under couldn't go around you just didn't know what to do I've been there and perhaps you have as well before I read the scriptures, I want to say happy birthday to Sister Wilma. She's back there. This is Diana and Joe. This is actually Diana's mother. She Now, do I know correctly? Did you, did you say correctly? She's 86? 
86 years young. It's her birthday and she's here this evening. I want us to wish her a happy birthday. She said one of the things for her birthday was she wanted to try to come to church tonight. So we're so thankful for that. She's an elegant and wonderful lady, classy lady, and loves the Lord, loves her family, and we're glad to celebrate with you, Sister Wilma, this evening. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 1 down through several verses of Scripture. But if you've ever been to a place where you have felt like, I mean, because you've got to imagine, how did they feel? I mean, they are standing at the Jordan, the promised land. I mean, it's right there. Now, we're not talking about the Red Sea. That was the first time around. I'm talking about they've come through that wilderness. They've come through all that time. They've been given the promise. We're going over. It's ours. And here they stand at that Jordan River. And this was at the harvest time. It wasn't at the, the, the least time of the year for the flood stage. It was at flood stage. And here they are. And this is the story. And let's talk about it tonight and see if there's some strategies in here that help us when we come to that place. And man, I, I suddenly felt just a move of the Holy Spirit in my own heart. That someone here tonight, this message is for you. So I want you to open your heart and get ready to receive. God is going to touch you and minister to you a word in season for you. So I'm believing that. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Nothing like a big old s'mores party before you head over across the river. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Can you imagine the excitement, the energy? They've come. They're standing here, Brother Brandon. They're right there. I mean, the promised land's right in front of them. They don't know what's going to happen. All they know is that we're camped out here and we're waiting to cross. We're waiting on the word. How many are waiting on the word? Lord, it's time to cross over. It's time to go all the way across. I'm not talking about just getting there, getting excited about something. I'm talking, I, I don't know, but I'm listening for a trumpet really soon myself. I'm looking forward to crossing over myself. But this is talking about the, the Canaan of our lives, the promises of God that you and I can have victory. How many of you know we don't have to get to heaven to have victory? You can have victory right here. I'll stop preaching and read the scripture. Giving orders to the people. They said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move. Out from your positions, follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. A new and interesting, amazing journey that lies in front of you, a place you've never been in God. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. Separate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant 
and went ahead of them. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. It has been estimated that that many with the waters were about a mile wide at this point. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. This is estimated as well to be about 20 miles away. The waters stopped and rose in a heap 20 miles away from where the children of Israel were fixing to walk through this river. How many of you know when God does something, he does it right? While the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by. Can you imagine what that looked like? I can't wait to go back and look at the DVD on that one. Father, we ask your blessings on your word. I ask you to touch us tonight in this time we're gathered together on Sunday night. Lord, I pray that it'll be worthwhile. I pray I'll step out of the way and your word will go forth into the hearts of your people. God, they're struggling, they're fighting in their lives and they're trying to advance and God live for you in victory and yet there is evil all around us. God, there's such chaos everywhere we look and confusion. God, I just pray for a clear voice of your spirit to rest in the hearts of your people tonight. Lead us, God, through this wilderness place, crossing our Jordan into the victory of a Christian experience that you promised every believer. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, before you're seated, I was impressed to do something earlier, and I want, I'm impressed again to do this. This morning, I made some comments, and, and you'll go home, and, and there'll be comments all week, and the news reporters will have all kinds of comments Wednesday night there's going to be another debate I am moved upon in my own heart that this election season is probably one of the more important election seasons that this country has had in probably a hundred years whoever occupies the Oval Office for the next four years is going to make very detrimental decisions and you know this is not a time for us really to, to look at who that is as much as we make a decision tonight that we are going to pray for the United States of America. There are two things I think we need to make sure that we do. One is, and I may have said this this morning, but I think every American citizen who's a Christian should vote. I think we should vote. And I think we can prayerfully look for and ask for the discernment of the Spirit of God in voting. And somebody says, well, how are we supposed to vote? I'll tell you, prayerfully, we are to vote. Now, is this all right to say you're going to run me out the house tonight? I believe that we are to search our hearts and minds for the conviction of our Christian experience with God and vote accordingly. I'm just going to say it. I'm not saying who that is. That's between you and God. What I'm saying is that this is a time when we need to prayerfully be very, very careful. 
to find the heart and the mind of God. How many of you would go completely against your own thought to vote what God wants? I want what God wants. And I am constrained in my spirit that we must seek the face of God. At this point, you know, I've had conversations. I had this conversation with someone right before church. And and they're they're godly, wonderful people. I, I trust the spirit of the Lord in them. And they said, I don't like anybody. And I know exactly how they feel. But somehow the Lord is going He's going to, there's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about the, the Lord turns the heart of the kings. And they are, they are in obedience to him and to his work. And so we want to we pray. The best thing I can do tonight is not give you an expose on your voting. But if I give you a challenge in your heart to pray. If you're standing close to someone, I've been careful not to do this so much because I don't want, you know, people have, have said I keep you holding hands way too long. So I've been trying not to do this. But if you're standing by someone, would you just reach over and take them by the hand in a, in a, a mode of unity? And I feel impressed tonight that we should pray for the United States of America. I feel that we should have a burden for the election. I know that there's been a lot of good, bad, and ugly connected to it. But God must be sought. And I'm praying right now for our country. I'm praying for the elections, and I want you to help me. I I feel like we need to intercede for our country tonight. Can we do that right now? Let's do it. Father, as we come to you right now, Lord, we pray for this blessed country, the United States of America. God, there's so many pros and cons and goods and bads and so many things that are causing such chaos and confusion. Lord, what we're looking to is your word. We're looking, God, to our conviction. We're looking, Lord, to the Spirit of God. And we're asking you to lead your people all over this country. Lead them, God. Let your work be accomplished and done. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we commit ourselves, dedicate ourselves, consecrate ourselves to you and to your will and to your work, I pray, God, that you will have your way. I pray that I will be someone who falls in line with your will and your purposes, God. I pray that every Christian will look to the things of God, look to the things of their heart, and let the discernment of the Spirit of God lead them. And Lord, we thank you for this because we know that God, no matter what happens, no matter how it goes, we understand and know that you are ultimately in control. No one will ever move outside of your plan, your will, or your power. God, you're in charge. So we give you the charge of our hearts. We give you the charge of our minds. And we ask you to touch us. And Lord, would you bless our country? Lord, would you turn the hearts of your people? Would you turn, Lord, this country back on its knees to you and seeking your face? Would you send a revival in the United States of America, Lord? There were men and women of God all down through our history that have got on their face before you and have sought you, Lord. We're seeking you tonight. We'll not sit back. We'll not just let it ride. We'll not just do nothing. But God, we will seek your face. We ask for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory and we give you honor. And Lord, our hearts will be calm. A peace will settle over our spirits. For Lord, we are going to trust in our God. Who is able to take us even at the the Jordan River. And to help us to cross over to the other side. 
We honor you, Lord Jesus, and give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it and we pray. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. How many of you believe the Lord has heard our prayers tonight? Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. You may be seated. I don't know if you feel the burden that I do. I mean, I, I'm sure that you do. I feel such a heavy burden. And I, I don't know which way it's going to go. And, and like I said, I'm not here to discuss that part of it. That's between you and God. But I'm just, I'm scared about the whole thing. Not scared. I'm okay. But I'm a little, you know, concerned about what directions that we're heading in our country. There's so many questions. But God is in control. You know, the, the children of Israel, when they were brought out of Egypt, and they were led towards the promised land, during the time that they were wandering, getting there, Moses taught them the law and taught them how to worship him. But when they arrived at the Jordan, all they had to do was just enter the land and lay claim to the inheritance of God that had been given to them, and they could not, would not. And when you see the way that it all came down, Instead of going forward in faith, the people refuse to claim their inheritance. I don't want to be one of those people that stand on this side of the promises of God over my life or this church. I don't want to be one of those folks that stand on this side of an inheritance given to me by the Lord and not having claimed the promises that are mine in his name. The people wanted to turn back to Egypt, to the very people that enslaved them. They missed the lifestyles, they missed the things of their past. God punished them, and you know this. He condemned them to wander around in the wilderness between Canaan and Egypt. And they wandered there 40 years, sentenced to wander. 40 years in the wilderness. The years of wrath and, and the years of, of punishment and now death as one whole generation had, had literally been wiped out because of their unbelief. Don't be guilty of unbelief. Don't be guilty of disobedience with God. Don't be guilty of trying to work it all out for yourself. It's right for us to do as they did in the days of old, and that's seek the wills and the ways of God. Amen. So now, after all this time, the generation has been lost, and here we are. We're standing at the Jordan, and we're ready, and Moses gives that farewell address we preached about this morning. And as they stand at this brink of the promised land, now that the generation that had been unbelievers, the generation that had been unfaithful to God, and the generation that literally spurned in the face of God over manna that was sent from heaven, that same people now out of the way, the promise of God will all. How many of you know the work of God will always go forward? People may not go forward, but God will always go forward. God's moving forward. He's Like I said, he's going to have his will and his way no matter what. It isn't going to be something that you and I can stop. We may stop us, but we will never stop God. God is powerful and mighty, and he will always, always move forward in his plan. The problem is many people that started out on that old journey, they won't end up finishing on that journey. And it's important that I preach to you tonight that simple truth that we've got to be aware of the fact that we have got to stay in that firing line of God. we got to stay in the power of the Lord. You can't just get there because you did a good deed a couple of years ago. You can't get there because you're talented. You can't get there because you're a good 
person or because you do all the things. You remember the rich young man who, who literally had done everything right from a child and he had given you know, so much of his attention to following the precepts of God. But Jesus looked at him and said, there's only one thing. You followed the commandments. You've done all the right things, but you stand here now lacking one thing. Surrender. And I'm telling you, there's one thing that'll stand between you and your promised land, and that'll be complete surrender, not to your will, not to your wants, not to your desires, not to the things you want to see, but the things that God wants to see. It's God's will and his purposes. That's what, that's what the struggle was here. They wanted to be fed. They wanted to have a lifestyle. They liked what they saw in the, the, the metropo metropolitan city of Egypt and they liked or the, the country. They, they loved what they saw there. Pharaoh's palace on the hill. They saw all these things and they wanted that lifestyle. They, they were kind of comfortable with it. They were willing to go back to making bricks without straw in order that they could have the lifestyle and the food. and They could fill their bellies with the things. The, they were selfish. And in that process of being selfish, they missed out on what God had. God's plan, God's work will continue You'll either be in on it or not in on it. You know, there's a river. I like to think this. Brother Watkins said this many years ago. He said, there is a river of God that is flowing. And he, would, he said, every service, there's a river of God flowing. Now, we can stand on the outer banks and try to do our own thing. Or we can get over here and jump in the river and let us see what God will do. It's not about asking God to get in on what you got going. It's not about asking God to get in on your project. It's not about asking God, hey, God, I'm going to do this for you. Would you bless it? Would you take care of it? Would you fund it? Would you make it happen? Lord, would you open the door? Would you make this project a success? Lord, I'm not asking you to get in on what I'm doing. And we got to have a mindset that says, Lord, what is it that you're doing? I'm going to get in on that because there is instant success in what God is wanting to do in our lives, our church. This whole project back here, Lord, it's not what we want. It's what you want. It's what you want in these last days as we're trying to win an end-time harvest. We're trying to bring in the lost and whatever we can do to bring them and to draw them to the Spirit of God. I'm so thrilled this person walked out today saying, wow, is it always like that? You know, I'm, I'm happy about that because I, one person can't do that. I can get up here and be energetic. You know, I loved what, what somebody said sitting right back here. They said when the baptismal started this morning, I was up in the baptistry, and I was waving at people, and they said I looked like the Pope. <laughs> I said, well, next time I'm going to wear a white gown and wear a hat that's full pointy. He said, no, I'm not. It isn't about one person. One person can have energy. One person can be you know, an op uh, a spectacle, one person can't do that. The Spirit of God can't be faked. It can't be something that you can make up. I mean, you can't make that kind of stuff up. The Spirit of God is either here or he's not here. He's either moving or he's not moving. The thing about it is that we got to recognize when he's moving. And we got to get in on what God is doing. And I'm telling you, that's where we're at now. We're seeking, Lord, what are you doing in this church? Why are you, what are you setting us up for? Visitors are coming like crazy. People are coming into our church. We just added seven new families in our new membership class. And, and it's just like all kinds of things are happening. God is sending them from everywhere. And it's like we got to say, God, what is it that you're doing? Because we know it's not us. But Lord, what is it that you're doing? And how are we adapting and changing and making ourselves available to take care? You know, God will only send us the people that we'll take care of. I'll say that one more time. 
God will only send us the people that we can take care of. So we've got to constantly be working on ourselves to get us to the place where we're properly taking care of the people that God sends to our church. And we're not there yet. Don't worry. We're not there yet. But we're trying to get there as quickly and as good as we can and as sufficiently as we can. The children of Israel missed out. That first generation missed out. They saw that what happened to to Pharaoh's army, they saw the Red Sea part. They saw the deliverance of God. They saw how God had provided for them and kept them in their wandering. They had seen it, and yet they refused it. When they had the opportunity, they refused to go over. And so they suffered the consequences. Don't be that person that suffers the consequences of missing the inheritance that God has for you. God wants to do some major things through you. God wants to do some major things through you, but sometimes he's got to get past you. Sometimes he's got to get past me in order to get me in the place where I can see what he's wanting. And it's important that we don't miss the opportunities that God is bringing in front of us. Here, here we had the, the, the word is go. Moses is going up to the top of the mountain and, and he's going to disappear and now we've got Joshua in charge, and God has given him the word. And we talked about that this morning. God's given him the word. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I, I'm calling you now. Be strong and very courageous. Everything I told Moses, I'm now telling you. Every place you put your foot, that's going to be your land. Everywhere you possess it, that's going to be yours. So what are you going to do? You're going to be walking. You know, if the Lord told me every place... He didn't say, here, only about 30 square feet or only about a mile and a half. No, he said, every place you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay up all night, and I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to walk everywhere I can. I'm going to walk over my children's bedrooms. I'm going to walk over to where my family's at. I'm going to walk down the street. I'm going to circle the school down here. I'm going to circle the grocery stores. I'm going to circle everything I can. I'm going to keep walking everywhere I walk. He's promised that I'm going to have that possession of land. I'm not going to stop. Boy, the children of Israel were willing to sit on the east side of the, the, the bank of the river. Let's just camp here. This is good. They were missing, man, they're missing an element of God that is so crucial in our decision making and what we're trying to understand. See, I, I am like, a, God's put this in my head and the staff, they, they get on me for this and they talk about it all the time. I am what you call a visionary. I see things in pictures. I see things like movies. I mean, I see them big. I don't just see a building over here. I see a building full of thousands of people. And I see all kinds of kids running around and all kinds of discipleship. And I see laughter. And I love it when I go down there and see in that cafe all of y'all talking to one another. That was the whole purpose of it, that it would bring connection. And people won't not know each other anymore. I'll never forget that Sunday morning. A man walked up to me and he said, Pastor, I've been going here three years. I've never done nothing but shake your hand at the welcome. And I looked at him and I, said, I made him sit down. I said, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I started just asking him all kinds of questions. Because I wanted to know who he was. I told him and I preached the message that day. I said, I can't tell you I love you if I don't know you. But God's doing great things. I see things big. I see things in a visionary way. I mean, I have to have the office. They have to bring me down to earth and give me the steps and all the processes. Because I don't think in steps and processes. I'm not that guy. I, I'm like, I'll see the big picture. I see Disney World, Church of God. That's what I see. 
you know, and they're over there going, well, now we have to start with Coney Island first, you know, and I'm like, no, let's go straight to Disney World, let's do this big, that's my heart, and I think God causes me to have that kind of mentality, I believe it's from the Lord, it's one of the things I got, maybe you don't, but I do, I see in pictures, I see in visionary ways the things that God is trying to get done and accomplish. And I want to always be that way because I want to be the one that doesn't just, just take a little bit or, or just take, step out a little bit. I want to have big faith. I want to, have, I want to be one of the people that's standing out there on the front line when, when all those folks were walking through that, that uh, Jordan River. I don't want to be somebody back, a million back, standing back. I want to be up there on the front line. I want to be standing there saying, let's go, let's go. I want to move forward in what God has for us. I'm so excited about the fact that he's real, that he's awesome, that he's majestic, and that he's all-powerful. And there is no, I don't worry about Washington because I know there was a Mount Calvary and God is in charge of all of it, and I know it. I know it. He's an awesome and a mighty God. So here they are. They're standing. There's only one major. I mean, now Moses is gone. The word has come down. It's time for you to cross over. It's time for you to accept your inheritance. It's time for you to see the big picture, the promised land. And I'm sure that they were thinking, it's going to be easy street. I mean, here we are, we're ready now. We're going to climb over, we're going to cross over, and however we're going to get there, we don't know yet, but we're going we're gonna to get there. And here's this river in front of them, and they're like, well, we know what God did in the past. Sometimes all you got is what God did in the past, and that's all right. It's all right if that reminds you that he's not a God of the past. He's a God of right now. And if he did it then, the only reason you need to remember and look back is because you'll know that he'll do it this time. If he did it then, he'll do it now. If he'll heal then, he'll heal now. If he's ever delivered back then, he'll deliver right now. God will turn everything around. God can still save lost sinners. God can still heal broken bodies. God can still heal cancer. He can still take a husband and a wife who are about ready to knock it all down and let it all crumble. And he can put them back madly in love all over again. God can do anything. They needed supernatural help. They're sitting at this river bank and they're looking at a mile across that water and they know two million people cannot make that journey. Ain't no safe way to do that. Aunt Ethel is not going to make it over. Every person, every person in this room tonight, I'm sure, at one time or another, you face a situation like that. It's impossible to go forward. It's impossible in your own shape. God sometimes will take you to a place where it is absolutely impossible. I mean, you've, you've sought the, the, the essential oils. You, you've sought Facebook advice. You've went to every doctor. You've tried every medication. You've tried every herb. You've done everything you know to do, like the woman with the issue of blood. You've spent all that you've had. And at the end of it all, you're left with impossible Sometimes God will lead you into an impossible situation so that one more time you understand the truth and the treasure in complete dependence on his supernatural power. We need to see some more supernatural power. The problem that we've got in the church today is that we've got too many folks working it all out themselves. 
We got too many folks who are trying to figure it out and work it all out by themselves. They think their money can do it. They think their talent can do it. They think that their giftedness can do it, but they don't understand. We've got to get to a place where we can't do it anymore, and that's when the supernatural power of God will intervene and come down in the midst of his people. I wish tonight there were a lot more impossible situations in our lives. When I say that, you know, it's almost like an old me prayer. You know, I don't know if I want to pray that prayer. But I'm ready because I want to know that I'm trusting the Lord in every way. That means I may have to face some impossible situations. But that's all right because impossible with me means possible with him. And the powerful God I serve will see me all the way across. There was no danger in trusting the Lord at the impossible situation. There's valuable lessons in how that we need to be sensitive to the move of God. You know, there were a couple of things, three things that were given to the children of Israel before, as they were getting consecrated, before the Lord, before they actually crossed over. There were three things they were told. Listen to what verse 3 says. Giving orders to the people when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, you keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark and don't go near it. In order for the people to move forward, to cross the Jordan, God had a message These three things. The first thing was watch God. Watch God. It says when you see the Ark of the Covenant. Now you know what the Ark of the Covenant was. Special piece of tabernacle furniture that represented the glory of God. It was in the Holy of Holies. The glory of God rested over the Ark. It was the dwelling place of God. And And this instruction is when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. In other words, he wants us to seek out, to find where God is in every one of our impossible situations. Find out what God's doing. There's a reason why you're at the place you're at. There's a purpose and a reason why that. If you'll understand and know God is doing something in you. But you've got to look past what you want and you've got to look at what God is wanting. And what God is putting together and designing for you and for the work, for the ministry in your life. The Ark of the Covenant was there. To Israel, it represented God's presence in the midst of the people. And the instruction was simply this. When God moves, you move. Boy, what a, what a testimony. What an what a instruction for us tonight. What a lesson that is for us. When God moves, you move. When God is moving and his spirit's moving, that's when you ought to get in. Even in a service, when the spirit of the Lord, the ark of the covenant is set up in the house, man, you ought not to sit back. You ought to be in the middle of whatever God is doing here, and you ought to be in the middle of whatever God's doing out there. God moves, you move, and you keep your eyes on him. When God stops, you stop. That's what the instruction was. It's a valuable lesson that in the time of crisis, we need to learn to be sensitive to the moving of the spirit of God. I'll never forget when Bill Isaacs left out of here, he texted me on my phone one day, and he had, we had been in a service, and God was doing what he's doing in, a, in our midst, and we were having a wonderful, we had a wonderful service, and man, the Spirit of God was here in a powerful way, and the energy level was so high, and the power, you could just sense the electricness of the presence of, of God, and after service was over, Bill texted me, Bishop texted me, and he said, he said, uh, 
Pastor Ray, since you realize you are not pastoring a church, he said, you are pastoring a move of God. I've never forgotten that. I've kept it close to my heart. And I continually lay that before God. And I said, Lord, don't let me get cold and indifferent. Don't let me start to think I can do it in my own strength. Don't ever let me start to act in my own self. Hey, I don't have a lot of gifts and talents and abilities according to the world's idea of success. But what I do have, I have a heart that knows how to get on my face before God. And I know exactly how to cry out to him and say, Lord, it's not me. Not me. I can't do it, but you can. And, Lord, I don't want to be found one place one little step out of line with what you're doing. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want my heart and my life to match up what he wants. This is my watch. This is my time. I've loved this church since I was 18 years old. I stepped in the back door and this place saved my life. And here I am all these years later. I get to be a watchman set on a tower looking over this house. And I'm telling you, I've got a desire. And I'm going to fight every wolf that tries to come in from the outside. I'm going to fight every demon in hell that will ever try to tear down or destroy. I am determined that as an under shepherd to the great shepherd, I will look out for the sheep. Mm. I'll look out for the sheep of God. I'll intercede and I'll pray over you. I can't do a lot of things, but I can sure do that. I know how to get up at 4 in the morning. I know how to get up in the early day, and I know how to pray at night. I know how to do that. And I'll do that, man, I'll tell you, until he comes. And during my watch, and there'll be a day when y'all will say, he, is, he can't do it no more, kick him out, and that'll be fine. I'll go to the Church of God nursing home for pastors. Second thing it did, know the move of God, know the discerning spirit of God. It said, watch the Ark of the Covenant, but it said also, now follow him. Follow God. When they saw the Ark of the Covenant move, they were to leave their place and go after it. You know what that means, to go after it? It means to pursue God. To pursue God. Are you pursuing God? Are you just waiting from Sunday to Wednesday to Tuesday, to, are you just waiting for the next class, or the, the next church service? Do you kind of leave here and, well, that's done until next Sunday, and just go on back to work and back to your friends and back to your old lifestyle? Or are you in hot pursuit of God? Oh, there's nothing more beautiful and more wonderful in the life of a believer than when someone is pursuing after God. We used to have a, there was a big book out many years ago from Tenney, I think it was, The God Chasers. You know, I wanted to be a God chaser. I want to be someone who pursues after the presence of God. I love what Moses said when he said, Lord, you know, I want you to go with me. You have to go with me. I want your presence. I have to see your glory. I have to see If you don't lead us up out of here, we're not going to go. Many places in the Bible, David, many places where they said, we'll not go without you, Lord. Can't move without you. Follow after God. Watch God, but move when he moves and pursue him. What is God doing? Leave the place where you are. Get out of your comfort zone. Stretch yourself and trust God. You may have to talk to people you haven't talked to before. You need to step out of the comfortable little box you're in and let God minister through you. Israel was about to follow the ark into a river. Sometimes the presence of God, Shane, will lead you into what you think is 
impossible. Or at, at best, it may even lead you into some place where you're like, are you kidding me? Lord, why would you lead me into the, the Jordan River? It's a mile wide. Lord, there's no safety here. God says, when the ark moves, you move. Pursue it and follow it wherever it goes. At the end of the day, I'm going to be found following after him. I want him. And that truth right there will save us. It will save your life and it will help you in everything that you do. Following God may not be the easiest thing that you'll ever do, but it will be the best thing that you've ever done. It will be the best thing that you've ever done. Knowing and understanding that we can get past our obstacles when we trust in God, no matter where he is leading us. They were so determined. Those priests looked at that water and they said, okay, we have to, by faith, step in to that water with the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, they felt, I'm sure, like everything in the world could possibly go wrong here. But their confidence and faith in God pushed them forward. Secondly, thirdly, I mean, we need to honor God. Honor God. The Israelites are told to stay at least 3,000 feet or 1,000 yards behind the ark. This was so that they could easily see what God was doing. You know, we have to keep a distance. God comes close to us. It's not talking about the intimacy of our relationship with him. But I'm telling you, we need to still remember to keep God at an awe and reverence in our lives. They were told to stay back from the ark about 3,000 feet. Why? So because they needed to be able to see when the ark was moving and where it was going. There are 2 million people in this crowd. They need to be able to see what is happening with the ark. Sometimes you got to wipe out all the people around you and focus on nothing but the ark, the presence of the Lord, and whatever God is doing in your life. These are strategies now to help us when we get to our impossible Jordan rivers. And when we totally get it and understand we've got to stay back from the presence of God, we're missing something. We, we got nowadays, man, people are so in on wanting God to be their buddy, wanting God to be just a, a pal. You know, it, it, makes, it brings God down and, and makes him manageable. And, and you know, I preached a message on the golden calf, how that Aaron introduced the golden calf as this is Jehovah who delivered you out of Egypt. I thought, you can't be serious. I mean, give us, tell us it's another God, another kind of uh, something, a, a prophet, but don't tell us this is Jehovah. You can't bring God down to an earthly level. That's not impossible. I mean, he is an infinite limitless God. He is a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He is a God who cannot be relegated down to humanity. He's not our buddy. He is God, all-powerful and mighty. He's to be worshipped and honored in everything that we live and do and be. So sometimes there was a, a message here, a, a message telling the children of Israel, stay back from the ark. Stay back so that you know the Levites were the only ones allowed to go up and carry that ark. And that was there so that we would understand the awe and reverence. And that we would see what God was doing so that we could easily follow him. I said it this morning. God doesn't make it hard for you to follow him. He just wants you to put the priorities straight. If the ark had been mixed up in the middle of two million people, you wouldn't know whether he's coming or going left and right. You wouldn't know what was happening. But there ahead by 3,000 feet in front of the crowd, everyone was able to see what the Ark of the Covenant was doing and what God was doing. 
We must never be guilty of treating God common. There needs to be a holy reverence. The Bible says a beautiful scripture in Psalms 24 where it talks about the, the, the presence of the Lord. It says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. The secret of the Lord. Have you ever sought out what that secret is? I had never really sought it out, but I had an experience. I was in a place where I was, God was teaching me. It's a long story, so I won't get into it tonight. But I'll just tell you, I was in this place where God had arrested my soul and my spirit and decided he was going to teach me something. And I, I felt his presence. He was so close to me, he whispered in my ear. It's, I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you audibly. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where God and God had something for you and he just arrested your heart and it was just you and him. This was one of those times in my life where I can tell you, I don't know now whether it, it was audible or I was just in the body or out of the body. I can't tell you. And I'm not trying to act like I'm Paul right now, but I'm just telling you, I had an experience with God. Many people who are close to me know exactly what happened. And it was an amazing afternoon that I spent in the presence of God where the Lord even spoke to me. I was in a foreign country and I was in this, this house of worship and I'm in this place and I'm walking around it and I sense and I feel the presence of God. And I looked up and I said, I looked up into the rafters of this church and I said, Lord, how is it that I feel you so strong? I said, I've never felt you like this before. And he said, it was because this place was built to reverence me and honor me and anywhere on the earth where people will take the time to reverence me, to honor me, to honor who I am and what I am, I will always, that will bring me very close to them. He, I referenced a scripture that says he inhabits the praises of his people. And you ought to see what he does when you reverence him. He goes, he goes real close. He gets real close and sets up a residence right there in the midst of that reverence. And when I, when I literally felt him and I, I sensed him and, and I said, God, you're so close. I've never felt him. His tears were dripping down my face. I couldn't control them. I was trying to hide my own emotions from all the people that were walking around, but I couldn't contain myself. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I, I leaned forward and I looked over into a, a corner of the church and the Lord said, I'm so close to you right now, I could touch you. And I, I felt him so strong and I began to weep. And cry, and I didn't understand. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, go to Psalm 24, 14. And I was like, I had never seen that before. I had never read that before. I had never been to that scripture before. And I didn't have a Bible. I was in, it was in the middle of a day of sightseeing. So I went to the bookstore of the, of the church and and I asked if they had an American Bible because it was a French country and, and there was no way they, they had many American Bibles with English. And I began to read it. And, and as I read the scripture, and I'm going to turn there for you tonight so I can make sure that I hit it exactly the way it's written and how I found it that day. It's, sorry, it was chapter 25. God knew, I didn't. He, he told me right there in that church, he said, go to Psalm 25, verse 14. And I said, I got to find out what it is. And I walked into the bookstore. Was you there? You were right there with me. I walked into the bookstore and I asked the lady, uh, pardon me, you know, mademoiselle, you have a Bible that is English. And she 
I found one and I opened it up and I turned to this because I had never heard of it before and I've underlined it and circled it in my Bible. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. And in that moment, I said, Lord, what is this? What, what is this that you're saying to me? And he said, the secret of the Lord is that when you reverence me, and you honor my name, and you set yourself apart to reverence me. He said, the secret is that I will come very, very close. Blew me away. Blew me away. I told him that afternoon, I said, I will find 1,000 ways to reverence you. I will find ways to honor you. I will kneel when my knees hurt. I'll walk. I'll separate myself. I'll shut down the television. I'll do, do, I'll do whatever I can. And you want to know why these are here today? Nobody's ever asked me. But that day when I was in France, and I was standing in that cathedral, it all started because I went over and lit a candle and began to pray. And that's when the Spirit of God came over my heart. And then I lit another candle and I was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And he wanted it. It wasn't the church. It had nothing to do with the doctrines of the church or who they were. It was everything about my prayer and the fact that I was reverencing God. And that this entire cathedral was built to reverence God. I had such an encounter and such an experience that to this day, I don't preach without candles lit. Now, granted, those are fake. One Sunday night, somebody walked out and said, Pastor, them candles are still burning out there. They'll burn the house down. I said, nah, the battery might go dead. But it's just something that I do that's between me and God. You just think it's pretty. And it's not some ceremonial, symbolic, Christian tradition that everybody needs to do. It's what I do. Because I honor him. I preached all my years in Oasis Youth Ministry, and I had a whole little thing of candles lit every Tuesday night. And when I moved out here, I said, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have to have my candles. And, and Richard was coming up with all kinds of ideas and things, and then we came up with this. Just to bring honor to him. To bring honor and reverence to him. Think of a thousand ways you can honor the Lord. A thousand ways in your home you can honor him and reverence him. A thousand different kinds of ways. Things that the world may think is silly and people may not understand. It may not make any sense to them, but it doesn't matter. What you do is you say, Lord, I'm going to honor you. My mother was one of these Pentecostal holiness women, you know. And for many, many, many years, it was only towards the end when she was sick that she, she would finally, you know, she would wear a gown and she might wear a, a pair of ladies' slacks underneath her gown because she was cold. You know, and she, she never would wear pants. My mother never wore pants. She was one of them holiness Pentecostal ladies. And one day, you know, all my sisters were, were wearing pants, and, and she didn't say anything to them. And, and I asked her one time, I said, Mom, you know, if it's such a major conviction for you, why don't you say something to your daughters? Why, why isn't it important to them? And she said, baby, she goes, this was something that was between me 
and the Lord when I was 18 years old. She goes, I made a commitment to him like a Nazarite vow. He had answered prayers for me, and I told him, I said, Lord, I'll never do this. I'm not going to put on a pair of pants. And she didn't our whole lives, and like I said, until she got sick, and then she just, you know, she had to. It was just more or less like a, like a, a medical gown or whatever. But she was one that made a personal conviction out of a reverence for God. What are you doing to find ways to follow after, to pursue the move of God in your life? What are you doing to honor him and reverence him? Is anything allowed on in your house? Is anything allowed? Is everything, anything go? Or have you set some rules and some guidelines? Have you set some priorities? Have you made your house a home, a place of reverence for God so that we don't treat him carelessly and don't let our own lives not reflect an honest reverence and fear of the Lord? I'm going to close in just a few moments. The, the message came back to them. He said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. When we're pursuing and seeking the presence of God, it is right for us to remember. We thank God for grace. And you hear me talk about this. And I'm going to do my own message on grace very soon. Because I think the amazing grace of God, what would we do without it? None of us would be here tonight if we didn't have that beautiful, amazing grace of God that saves a wretch like me, lost but now found through the grace of God. But you know what? There's something yet that needs to be said. When the grace of God finds you and the mercy of God rescues you and runs after you, what's important is that you remember what it says in Psalm 24, and this is where I got the 24 mixed up, in verse 3. It says, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who will stand in the holy place? It says, those with clean hands and a pure heart. God's grace will take care of your heart. You can't fix your heart, but God can. But once he cleans and he pours grace and rescue all over your heart, then there's something you got to do. We got to do. We got to keep our hands clean. We got to go home. When I, the night that I got saved, I went home, and I've told you the stories. I, I Man, I threw so much stuff away. I threw things I got in my drawers and closets, and anything that looked worldly, I threw it away. I was so excited about what God had done in my life, how beautiful the breath was and how I felt the power of God. I, I didn't want anything to stand between me and the Lord. And I threw all kinds of stuff away, man. I, and, and some things were real, were real important to me. So the only way I could do it is I turned off the lights. <laughs> I just ripped them all down. I was determined that I was going to do whatever I could. To honor the Lord and to pursue him to be close and intimate with him. Since Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Wash your hands. It's right for us to wash our hands. It's right for us. Well, I, I, if I hear one thing, I've heard it a thousand times. Well, you know, I'm just not convicted. I wouldn't even say that. I would never want to say that. Don't be guilty of saying something like that. It's not about how close to the world can we get and still get in. 
It's about, man, how far away can we go? How far away can we get from them? When the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, it don't say come out from among them and be side by side. It says be separate. It's time for a revival of holiness in our lives. That'll get us to our Jordan rivers and it'll get us across them. If we'll understand the power of the Lord. Stand with me tonight. I'd love to go on and preach about what they did once they crossed through the river. It was amazing the way that God gave them more instruction. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of your Lord. And he went on and he told him and he said, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And he goes on to, to tell them now about what they need to do. And they set up a beautiful memorial. And I love the fact, if you study that and you look at it, they set up a memorial on the bank of the river. And then they set up another one, Brother Carpenter, in the river. Stones in the river. And somebody says, well, who's going to see that? That's what's awesome. That's the awesome part. You see, the, the stones on the riverbank, that was to show the faith of the people. Their faith in God. It was built there as a memorial for them to always remember. It was faith in God that did this. Here was the river. Here's the place where we crossed. Here is the mile marker. Here is the milestone. Here is the big monument, the memorial to what faith in God will do. And he said, now take those stones and put them in the river. Nobody would ever see them except one, God. God would know. That inside the river was the faith of the people. God saw their faith in the river. Lord, out here is our faith in you. We, you're going to get us across. We know that you're going to get us across. But Lord, when you look down in the river and you see those stones, you'll remember that, Lord, that was our faith in you. You kept us. Isn't that amazing? The faith of the people who believed in him, who knew he could do it. They, they did that as a memorial forever to their testament. That God will take me through. God will get me all the way across this river. I am going to look at that river and every other river that I ever come to. And I am always going to remember that yes, there's an evident and obvious memorial over here. But there's one in there that can only be seen by God himself. Lord, when you look inside here, may you see the stones of memorial. May you see my memorial of faith that says... God, you are able to do anything. It's great to have a testimony. The stones on the riverbank are a testimony. You've got to have your testimony. But let your faith be known to God by what's in the river itself. Some of you need to cast a few stones into that river that's standing in front of you. And you need to trust the Lord. I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you come forward tonight? I want you to come into the altar area. I want us to pray together. Especially if you are looking and you've come, you've been to a river, and you're standing at the river's edge, and you are standing there now in your heart and needing that delivering power of God. It's supernatural that you need. You can't do it yourself. Only God can do it. I want to do something a little strange and a little different. Would you just humor me for a moment? 
give me a little bit more on, I want a little bit more from you because I want them to be able to pray out loud and not worry about it. So give me some volume. I want all the ladies to come over here and all the gentlemen, I want you to walk over there. Just crisscross. Ladies, don't be afraid of each other. Move in here real close to one another. Gentlemen, real close. Come on, get up here. Brothers, you're brothers, man. Let the ladies through over here. Move over, guys, more this way so that there's a lot of ladies here tonight. Just keep moving down. Keep moving down. Guys, come on. They're all the way back here. Let's just keep moving. Brother Brandenburg, bring that line on through. There we go. You guys could spread out just a little bit more over here. How we how we coming? Okay. I want you to look at one another. Look at the look at the ladies around you. These are your sisters. These are your sisters. These are your prayer warriors. These are the people that that God has brought you together with. From miracles. I want to see some ladies' prayer meetings break out in our church. I want to see some ladies who who are encouraging one another and lifting one another up. I don't want a lady in this crowd to ever feel like she's all by herself. I don't want you to ever feel like you're fighting a battle all, all on your own. I don't want you facing no river's edge and not have a sister right there beside it. The best thing you can have in this church is a sister. Get, get up next to one another. Put your arm on somebody's shoulder real close there. Just make a connection. Y'all sometimes get to know, you need to get to know each other. I want this to be a, a, an all-out 100% prayer meeting right here. I want you to just begin to pray for your sisters. You don't know what they're going through, but we know one thing. We have one thing in common. We know the devil's trying to destroy you. He's trying to tear you down. He's trying to do everything in his power to strip you of faith to take away your confidence. He wants to do everything he can to destroy your family. He wants to do what he can. And this is where you need your sisters. Move. These ladies over here are kind of all by yourselves. I want you in the crowd over here. Get with one another and love on one. Don't let anybody stand by themselves. If somebody's by themselves, move over there next to them. Guys, I want you to do the same thing. Would you hook up? Would you get up close next to one another? Realize this is your brother. This is somebody who's going through different situations and circumstances. You, you don't know what they're going through. You have no idea what they're fighting. It's time for us to realize we are brothers, one together. We need to be strength for one another. We need to stop looking at everybody around us and start pulling them in close. It's time. If we'll get somebody close enough, we won't be staring at them so much. We won't be judging them so much. If we'll get in real close together with them, we can be a powerhouse of help for them and strength for them. And God wants to do something amazing. Would you begin right now to pray over one another? You don't know what they're going through, but God does. God knows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sing with it. Sing with it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move tonight. Touch broken hearts. Touch hearts, God, that need mending. Touch hearts that need your power and your might, God. Minister your strength and your grace to them now. Touch them in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you tonight. We honor you, Lord. 
moms that are carrying the weight of the world, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you tonight. We bless your name. Lord, take care of our brothers tonight. You don't, Lord, we don't know what they're fighting. We don't know how the devil has put a scheme and a plot together to try to take heaven away from them. We don't know the devil is trying to tear them down and trying to destroy their faith and confidence. God, I pray your strength over each one of them. Raise them up to be godly men. Raise them up to be powerhouses, Lord, of your Holy Spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus. Minister your strength and grace to them. God, unite these ladies. Lord, they're praying over their homes. They're praying over their lost sons and daughters. Lord, touch them tonight. In the name of Jesus, God, unite them. Make them one together in the spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Oh, touch your ladies, Lord. These are ladies of the Lord. These are ladies anointed of the Holy Spirit. God, they're fighting the enemy. We, we, we rebuke the devil and come against the liar, the deceiver, the one that would try to destroy them. God, we ask for your work and your will to be done tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch them by your power and by your might. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, break the yokes of bondage. Break the yokes and the lies of the enemy. Break down, God, every barrier and obstacle, everything, their stronghold that would try to destroy them tonight and set them free in this house in Jesus' name. Lord, unite and Lord, do a work. Let these men be spiritual leaders. Let them all, God, be anointed of the Holy Ghost. Raise up teachers and preachers in this bunch and touch them tonight, Lord to be about the Father's business and leading this congregation. God, it's not a one-man show. We're all brothers united together. God, anoint them by your Holy Spirit and give them strength tonight. Give them healing right now. Give them deliverance, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We honor you. We bless your name. We lift up your name and give you glory and give you honor, Jesus, for you're worthy tonight. You're worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a brand new mind. Brand new mind. I've got a brand new heart. And I'm going to praise you. Lord, I'm going to praise you. I praise your name, Lord. Lord, I praise your name. We praise your name, Lord. I will give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you glory, Lord. you just lift up your hands now and give the Lord praise. Begin to praise him out loud. Let the power of the Holy Spirit work in this place. And Jesus, we give you praise. We give you honor. Ladies, lift your hands to God and begin to thank him now. He's heard your prayers. I believe some things have been done in this circle of prayer tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And it reaches to the highest mountain. Let's sing it out tonight. Would you help us? And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, 
blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose his power. Sing that verse, Gary. Well, it soothes my doubts and it calms all my fears and that same blood it drives away all my tears talking about the blood that gives me strength that gives me strength from day from Again, one more time. Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. We're talking about the blood that gives me strength. Glory to God. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. It is done. It feels good in here tonight. You're coming up on your Jordan. You know what to do. Move when he moves. Honor him and follow in pursuit after what God wants and you're going to cross your river. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Love on one another. Find at least 25 people. Hug their necks. Can't nobody 